2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh, thanks for hanging out with us. We actually do have some good news on the show today we've been celebrating a lot of weird stuff not celebrating we've been talking about a lot of weird stuff there has been a lot to celebrate but guess what the primaries were in kansas yesterday and those folks showed up for abortion
4: rights can we have a yes queen okay we could do that we could have a yes queen yes queen there you go some hope in this crazy world I mean, No, I mean, it was a very good moment. All, all eyes were on these midterms, or these primaries, yeah. I mean. And all eyes were to see how um, engaged voters were. And honey, they said, Kansas, not today. Say, not today. My womb is my womb. And every person that can have a baby should be allowed to make the decisions that their body wants to make. And so shout out to them. And it really uh, shows what
3: happens. (laughs) It was Wow,
4: a lot of things happened. I know, I was trying to find the right button. You know, I kind of try to memorize the buttons, but you know. You
3: know, it shows what happens. You do want to hear from the people. Well, the people have spoken.
5: That's true.
3: It's like you want to decide what everyone wants when not everyone wants that? Yeah, test us. Why don't you
4: test us? How doom and gloom would today have been if, like, it went the other way? Yeah. Because I think we, you know, like we found out. We're gonna talk more about this with Ryan Basham. He's gonna be joining us a little bit later in the show today. Yeah. Um, but I I just felt like if they if we didn't get the outcome that we got today, like that we we're seeing today. It sucked. Girl. Well that's
3: the thing is like from abortion to LGBTQ rights, there is a majority that believes in those things, and yet there's the a minority that is deciding on those things for the country. So while it sucks that we now need to go through this at a state-by-state state or local level, my hope is that it's a reminder, like, yeah, the people will speak, right? So, mm-hmm. like, it won't be stuck in this whole uh, Senate-House fight or the Supreme Court fight. Um, and and that's it, you know? And, and it's unfortunate. It's kind of triggering and traumatic. We need to go through this process. But that's what it takes. That's what it takes. You know. So, that said, we're also talking about monkeypox. Uh, it's, of course, highlighting the inequities in our healthcare system. And how
4: racist it is! Yes, yeah, so we're talking about
3: that later on. <laughs> Let's get into some what's this hour, though. Right now, President Biden issued an executive order to protect people's ability to travel across state borders to access abortions. Here he is.
6: I believe Roe got it right. It's been the law for close to fifty years. And I commit to the American people that we're doing everything in our power to safeguard access to health care, including the right to choose that women had under Roe v. Wade, which was ripped away by this extreme court. But ultimately, Congress must codify the protections of Roe as federal law. And if Congress fails to act, the people of this country need to elect senators and representatives who will restore Roe and will protect the right to privacy, freedom and equality. I'm going to sign this executive order right
3: now, Okay. The travel-related provision in the order calls on Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra to consider inviting states to apply for Medicaid waivers when treating patients who cross state lines for reproductive health
4: services. And really hoping that this executive order actually does something, because I was uh, watching the news earlier today and... You know, not a lot of people are, are hopeful that this can really do anything, especially kind of like after seeing the the last uh, the actions that he was trying yeah. to do around this. And so, yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, we're talking about
3: this, too, huh? Exactly. Covering it all. Um, well, we did mention about uh, voters in Kansas rejecting a proposed state constitutional amendment. Yesterday, that would have said there was no right to an abortion in the states. It was the first state to vote on abortion rights since the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its rulings in Dobbs versus Jackson. Uh, and here is Senator Amy Klobuchar.
4: Oh, well, give me a second because I didn't I mean, know my- you had that <laughs> You know, I like to surprise. So. I not to be like, oh, okay. Oh, it's an added clip. That's why it's fine. I can fit it right now. Look how cute this is. This isn't just rhetoric anymore in campaign ads. We're moving this country forward, and this isn't just something we did overnight. It was hard work while getting pummeled by these extremists time and time again. Yeah. I love working across the aisle. I have friends that are Republicans, but as
7: just pointed out, we are in the mainstream, and the people are with us. and That's what
1: you saw in Kansas last night. That's what you saw in Kansas.
3: And finally, American basketball star Brittany Griner was back in court on Tuesday for a trial for cannabis possession. During the hearing, prosecutors called a state narcotics expert who analyzed cannabis found in Griner's luggage. The trial adjourned until Thursday when closing statements are scheduled. And hopefully she'll be back soon. We know there's a possible... um, exchange of prisoners that might happen but we'll see that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment news Woo!
4: let's talk beyonce um because oh my gosh when did they add i'm sorry <laughs> i typed in beyonce's name into our thing and they have all of renaissance in here and i'm just like kind of about to get my life real quick so just um just follow me Okay, great. <laughs> you need to play this in the breaks. I, I want to listen know. to the... Okay, so Diane music. Warren... She is getting dragged all over social media because, you know, she may be songwriting royalty, but she got stuck on Beyonce's crown when she asked why the new album Renaissance had songs with 24 credited writers. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. She wrote this on Twitter. How can there be 24 writers on a song? Which everyone was like, oh, girl, you're over here shading Beyonce after Renaissance just dropped? Well, of course, the singer-songwriter-producer, of of renaissance the dream was first to suggest that warren should have known or at least done her homework before posing the question that way and he even suggested that the question was racially insensitive to say the least he literally i mean it was really intense the whole response well all these responses came in fast and mocking after that and with dozens of beyonce fans trolling warren for not knowing one how kind of black music is made or at least how renaissance which is Garden, you know nothing but like critical praise was made um, Warren an attempt to you know try to retreat into her own curiosity and plea and folks jumped to her defense but let me say the damage was just done she said this wasn't meant as shade I'm just curious and I mean honestly I guess you just shouldn't mess with a beehive seems like that yeah, and also I think, here's the thing, there's been a lot of kind of like drama popping up around this album recently. It kind of sucks. It's out of her, and because for me, what why it sucks is because this is like, I feel like Beyonce's happiest album she's ever released. <laughs> it's so powerful, like it's so empowering, and like I feel like everyone has like lost their minds and has found a way to be mad about
3: it. Well, I think that it's just more, it's under the microscope, right? And yeah. so people will be looking at every little detail. And, and why I do are we think,
4: complaining about her giving an opportunity to 24, and I do even but, that's compl- that's. Incredible. I, I'm samples. interested. Oh, so it's samples. So you have to, when you use a sample or something. There's 24 to, samples in a song? No. When you use a sample of a song, you have to credit all of the writers yeah. of that song and even the writers of like your own yeah. song. And so, of course, it can look big like that. But I think a lot of people were shocked that Diana was a legend in the game. Did not know that are like had no she clue. She was an old school or she r- singer. I mean, but sampling has been happened since the beginning of that. Like, you know, know. I mean, and and also, she sh- should have just asked one of her industry friends instead of like shading and taking it to Twitter. You know what I mean? She was like getting her hair done. She's like, I want to know this. Oh my god, I need to talk to our program director Brian because I'm freaking out. are We about to start playing all of Beyonce. Like, are we gonna have a Beyonce day? Like, I'm freaking that out. That would Why be really are? awesome. Why are all the songs? Let's are? do a Beyonce day. Okay, that's your team report. We got more coming up next hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after this, uh, Biden's
3: executive order he signed this mor- uh, this morning about abortion. Oh, what will happen now after this? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. President Biden signs an executive order today directing his health secretary to consider actions to assist patients traveling out of state for abortions. Uh, joining us again is political analyst and our favorite commentator, Ryan Basham. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, hi. my pleasure.
3: Let's talk about this, what uh, what this exactly looks like in terms of actions to assist those traveling out of state for abortions.
1: Well, it does a few things, and it's worth noting that the president has very limited power to do things unilaterally. You know, um, some of what this uh, executive order does attempts to do what Democrats were trying to push through Congress. But, of course, it failed in the Senate because. You need 60 votes, not 50 votes in the Senate, and you couldn't get any Republicans uh, on board in a 50-50 Senate. That just won't work. So um, this does a few things, one of which is it uh, supports um, uh, people who are abortion providers by offering them technical and sometimes legal assistance in situations where they may need to provide an abortion, say, to save the life of a mother— um but you know they're in a legally gray they feel they're in a legally gray area and maybe uh vulnerable to uh you know criminal prosecution which is it's had a real ch- chilling effect even on doctors who know they're performing an abortion that is legal in their state they still avoid doing it sometimes and that's a real risk to the lives of mothers who are say uh having um uh you know like a stillbirth and things like that so that's one thing yeah. another thing that it does is it um it directs Um, the health and human services uh, department to start working on collecting data regarding maternal uh, health outcomes uh, which is really important because in the long run we that data is necessary to craft more meaningful legislation data is the backbone of any meaningful legislation and finally it it starts to create a system where um where people women who cross state lines for abortion access um may get additional support from the state through medicare there's a a system within the medicare system that you you know normally if you get medicare in one state it covers you in that state um and that's where your insurance is and in some cases if you go to another state you can still get coverage through medicare and this kind of expands that a little bit to make it easier for states to give Medicare-like support to women who cross state lines excuse me, for uh, abortion care. So it does a, lot, a few little things that add up. Of course, it's not the same as what the Congress could do, but we don't have enough Democrats in Congress to do anything more there.
4: Well, the interesting thing is, I mean, this is Biden's second order, um, and I'm wondering what is the difference from the first one, and is it really going to make that much change? Because I think that's what people are worried about right now.
1: Well, you know, uh, the thing is, you know, it's, it's kind of changed by a million little steps. It's, it, it, the, it, there will probably be more um, executive orders um, around abortion over time, or at least I would say there's a good chance there will be because um, uh, the reality is that he can only do a few little things. And he has to be careful about doing things via executive order because executive orders are very vulnerable to legal challenge. So they're very judicious about doing things through executive order because they want to insulate them from being held up and paused by a judge if someone sues to block it. And that can take years to play out. So um, uh, so that's really the deal is that it will make a little bit of a difference. And it's just going to take a little bit, of, a little bit here, a little bit there from presidential executive orders to actions taken at the state level by Democratic governors um, so such as like vetoing abor- new abortion bans, it's going to take a lot of little things to get what we need done. And that's why we need, frankly, to elect more Democrats this fall so that we can get it all done at the federal level all in one fell swoop.
3: Yeah. Or hopefully we could pull um, a Kansas and maybe people will vote and tell them where it's at.
1: Yeah, I bet the, the process for doing a constitutional amendment federally is dramatically more complicated and takes years. So that's probably not a viable option but Democrats can in an indirect way nationalize you know local congressional and senate races by making it about abortion and like if you don't let if you let a republican win yeah. this race you make it harder exactly. to protect women's rights across the country.
3: All right, that was Ryan Basham, our favorite political commentator. Thanks for being here again. My
4: pleasure. All right, well Nancy Pelosi has finally returned from Taiwan, but guess what? How's the White House scrambling to avoid a crisis? They are really having a really tough week. More coming up next.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
4: Nancy Pelosi has returned from Taiwan, and the White House is working urgently to avoid a crisis right now. Why are they so concerned, and why did Nancy even go in the first place? Joining us to break this down is staff reporter at The Washington Post, Yasmeen Abutaleb. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay. seriously, I when I was like reading up on this and seeing everything that is transpiring, I was so confused because it was my question was, well, why is Nancy going in the Mm. first place?
6: It's a great question. So Nancy Pelosi has a sort of long adversarial history with China. So I think one uh, story that will help contextualize all this is in 1991, about uh, 31 years ago, when she was a much younger lawmaker and not nearly as high profile as she is today. She went to Tiananmen Square just a couple of years after, you know, the brutal government crackdown that killed a lot of pro-democracy protesters. And she unfurled a banner there in support of the protesters who had been killed and was chased out of the square by by state police. And, you know, still she remained undeterred. So, you know, there is the, the likelihood that Nancy Pelosi does not seek the speakership again. And I think she views this trip as an important way to cement her legacy, especially when it comes to China and human rights. And that's why she went ahead despite all the warnings.
3: I mean, is it is it normal to go despite warnings like this because her life could have been in danger?
6: So other lawmakers have gone to Taiwan, including in, in the last year, just not nearly as high profile as this. So the, the parallel that's often drawn is The last House Speaker who went was Newt Gingrich in 1997, but that was under very different circumstances. You know, Newt Gingrich was the Republican Speaker of the House. There was a Democratic administration in office, and China was not, you know, the economic global powerhouse that it is today. It was a very different country. So, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, she's third in line to the presidency. She decided to go anyway. It's it's a little bit unusual that she would go when the White House, which is of the same party as hers, would, would sort of warn her against it and warn of the possible scenarios that could play out. Yeah. But it's it's in line with her, her stance on, on China and Taiwan over the course of her career.
4: So now what situation, or should I say sticky situation, is this now putting the White House in?
6: So the White House is very concerned about an escalation in the U.S.-China relationship, which is already at a a pretty low point right now. Um, And so the White House has sort of laid out possible scenarios they could see coming over the next couple of weeks. And they did say this week that they thought it would be that China's reaction to the trip would not just be in the the immediate aftermath. They're doing military drills Thursday through Sunday, right after Pelosi left today, uh, but that it could be over a longer term horizon, whether it's Firing missiles close to Taiwan, um, getting very close to the border, um, you know, trying to assert dominance over the Taiwan Strait. Their their biggest concern has been this visit triggering a crisis in the Taiwan Strait well after Nancy Pelosi leaves. So did it help or hurt everyone
3: that she went? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, she was that's, obviously trying to do good with it, but is that what she did?
6: That's a good question. And I think the answer to that would really depend on who you talk to. She got a lot of support from actually Republican members of Congress, a large group of Republican senators, including Mitch McConnell, released a statement in support of her trip saying this was an important stance to take um, some Republican members of the House. Um, you know, I think th- the White House and some other Democrats are concerned about uh, provoking aggression from China. But I will say that China, for all its luster, has stopped short of you know a military response or some kind of more forceful response. So so the the best outcome here is that the status quo remains.
4: Yeah, so I guess now moving forward, what should we be on the lookout for?
6: I think whether these military drills that China conducts near Taiwan and the border with Taiwan increase if they are more sort of forceful, you know, live fire drills um, and whether they launch missiles to Taiwan, basically, how close and how much they decide. To provoke and, and, and what kind of signal they try to send over the coming weeks.
4: Well, all right. Thank you so much for joining us. That was staff reporter at the Washington Post, Yasmeen Abu Talib. Thanks.
3: Thank you. Well, next up is it unethical to leash your kids when going out in public? Why this dad is getting some heat next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, this dad is uh, getting a lot of heat from folks because he showed this video of him walking his. Quintuplets, five young kids together outside, and they were wearing harnesses. Now, some people respected the dad's decision to do that because, as you can imagine, having five toddlers can be a lot to manage them and keep them all together, right, without freaking out that they're going to wander off and, you know, go away, including if you don't have uh, someone there to help. You're just there alone with five toddlers. Others, of course... (sighs) For pointing out they're humans, not dogs.
4: So how do you, because clearly you're on the dad side here. How do you, yesterday, when we had a very interesting conversation about an animal, a lamb. Yeah, you're killing an animal. And you were very, oh my God, you're taunting this, this animal. This is not a taunt. And is, this yo. right here is so cringy to me. Every time I see parents with their kids on leashes it is so strange to I me. Mean, and I'm not a parent, so I, guess what? I'm not going to hold too much judgment, but I have to say I understand why folks and why this moment has gone viral because it is... It just feel. It always just looks weird. It looks a little cringy, but I, I want to hold space to, like, yeah, it's a dad of all like people. Like, of course, he is probably, you know, going through a lot with all these damn kids, but, you know, I just... Child leashes or toddler leashes are just strange. I'm not saying it's the they're same strange. leash
3: as Coco. Uh, it's a harness around the waist. It's Dang, not a choker. It's Co- not like a... No, Coco has a harness, I know. Coco has a harness. My dog, who's no longer here. You're, that's not your dog. Um, <laughs>
4: you gotta get over that dog. No.
3: <laughs> we do this too. The thing is, I agree. When I see kids on this, I'm like, oh, that's so awkward. However, I do give this person grace and space because I do not know what I would do. if You're walking around in the public with five kids. There's no way they're going to all follow you. Like, unless you have them buckled down in strollers. No,
4: seriously. I understand. I, Understand. How else are you supposed to do it? I understand. Even though there are strollers, like I mean, he would have. Oh, yeah, to have, but like, they're two too strollers. old. They don't
3: want some of them. Times they might not want to be in strollers. They want on a walk, yeah, and then they're like freaking it. out, trying to jump out. I like,
4: totally understand, and so, that's the thing. I just feel. I just kind of feel that it is. It just looks cringy. It does. It but, really you know. does. Because what happens when one of the kids fall? You just and all the rest, are you just gonna drag them all like you know. No, you would
3: stop probably. Uh, but mean, here's like with school. I I, when I sometimes see schools walking, the teachers like usually they will have um, have something on their they come on, uh, well, wrists why don't, My thing is, why don't like you that.
4: teach your child at the uh, at a very young age though the buddy system. That could be more I, beneficial than I think having that, a leash. Um, I'm sure. Also, we don't. Uh, we
3: have not dealt with toddlers. I don't I, know if I'm they're talking, at the. I'm I don't know talking. if they're at the place to understand the buddy now, system. I mean, they,
4: if they're doing. First of all, buddy systems are at school. <laughs> I'm sure if this they're lane, picking their nose this. and
3: looking up at the sky, no, they might not notice been, their buddy. They're
4: toddlers, so when they go to like <laughs> preschools or school, there's a buddy system that is literally in place. Yeah, even they teachers. don't understand
3: accountability. Where it's like, no, but
4: I mean, but that's what that's what teachers teach oh. you when you're at that age when you have a little bit of a buddy system Listen, i'm just saying is there other s- ways what about of kidnapping doing this? what if someone like would just it, snagged it, that, that kid i don't know is there <laughs> can i please read one of these comments yeah, just sure. a dad taking his pets per for a walk mind your business please <laughs> you are not allowed to criticize his dad unless you have quintuplets no i think people are allowed to have opinions but i do think that you gotta you do gotta give him a little grace and space because you know I understand why it sparks a little bit of a, and, a debate, but yeah. I, it is cringy girl. They look happy like, and cute. You, First of all, you can barely see their face in this video, in this photo.
3: I see it. They're all like, they're there, they're holding hands.
4: And my thing is, why would they post this?
3: Because it's funny. This is, uh, it, this it's is social funny. media content gold. It's not funny. I mean, I don't think he thought it was funny, but at the same time it is. He's like, this is what I do. This is like dad uh, life, basically. Yeah.
4: I mean, it's. Aren't I mean, you intrigued? Like, do not you want to know how I, like one person deals with this? I also wonder. As we wrap this up, I wonder would people have been judgy if it was a mom versus it being a dad? Because I feel like dads get a bad rap because they're like, oh, the dad don't really be like parenting that much. Like they like he do gets the bare away with minimum. it. He gets away with some things. Yeah, maybe they would be versus, more the, shamed. Yeah, yeah, like you know, maybe.
3: Sexist people. I think that both both have have gotten shame, but maybe one would with be
4: their kids on leashes. But totally. i understood. Listen,
3: that. if I was uh, at an airport or somewhere, and I knew my kid is rambunctious, goes around everywhere, runs away That's from me. You need him,
4: at an airport? Would, cause yeah. don't, don't bring or, a little badass to Or ass time, what about
3: me or me. a what about a um, an amusement park? I mean, mall. These oh, are places gross. where pe- where kids could get kidnapped
4: and wander off. You know what? Every day I think, if I'm ever going to have kids, probably not. Every story these these stories that we cover about children yeah. is like literal like literal birth But this
3: is also what I, I mean. I feel for single parents because you need a lot I, I'm of support. Never had
4: to put me in a leash. Let me just tell she you just that. She just stared
3: at you and gave you the actually
4: the she eye. left me actually she left me in the back of the car by accident. She went upstairs and got comfortable for at least two hours. Just not saying.
3: that bad.
8: <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Yes, welcome back to the show, and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Uh, and right now, we're bringing you a giveaway.
2: We
4: sure are. And uh, it's a very good, like, really cool flyaway giveaway to go see Ben Platt. Here's some more information. Channel Q is flying you off to see Ben
3: Platt.
8: It's his biggest North American tour to date with special guests, Allie and AJ. We'll fly you to Orlando, put you up in a fabulous hotel, get you ground transportation and VIP tickets to Ben Platt. To win, all you gotta do is go to wearechannelq.com. Thanks to AEG.
3: All right, there you go. That's your way in to go see Ben
4: Platt. Uh, October 6th, we are Channel Q. You will not want to miss it. Two tickets, two VIP tickets to Orlando. Wow. Pretty great.
3: Okay, well, coming up, we're going to be talking about what you can do as a renter to help combat climate change and Britney Spears tea coming in just a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Uh, Alex Jones and his trial against the parents of Sandy Hook. Victims uh, was confronted in court with text he swore he did not have, and this was the most awkward moment. It just shows best thing how um, evil of a person the he best is. The best thing ever.
1: You didn't give this text
7: message to me. You don't. You don't know where this came from. Do you know where I got this? No. no, Mr. Jones. Did you know that 12 days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me
2: an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years and when informed, did
7: not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protect it in any way. And as of two days ago, it fell free and clear into my possession. And that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about Sandy Hogan. Did you know that?
3: Oh, I wish you continued playing that.
4: Like, where did his lawyers come? Like, where did he get them from? Like, that's the wildest thing. Did he get them from Groupon? Craigslist. Like, honestly, did you just put out an ad out on the bathroom stall or something?
3: Even though I'm not saying anything if you're a lawyer that puts your ad on Craigslist, but just...
4: Say. I mean, well, I... Yeah, Are I you even a lawyer? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think we should, actually. Um, it's wild. It, it was a it's, moment. It's a moment that I'm very... Because, I mean, he's trapped at this point. He committed perjury, <laughs> and they, play, they literally played it out, like... This lord, that, I know he's pissed. I know his, he was like, just like, <gasps> like, I can't believe
3: this. God, now everyone knows I actually am a D-bag. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we got some good news. LGBTQ trailblazer Jim Obergefell won the Democratic nomination in Ohio State House District 89 in a special election. He said in a statement, I will work hard to improve the lives of the people in my district across Ohio by increasing jobs and opportunities, improving access to affordable health care, and protecting our environment. I will also be a voice and advocate for all Ohioans and especially underserved and marginalized communities. This is, of course, uh, one of few wins for LGBTQ advocate candidates in yesterday's primaries that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment news
4: child britney spears is calling out the catholic church i wonder why it's time for the t-report those pop culture stories trending right now So Brittany um, is slamming a Catholic church for not letting her marry her now husband at the House of Prayer because she is not a practicing member. She posted this on Instagram. She said, this is where I originally wanted to get married during COVID. And she literally posted a photo of, like I guess, showing the inside of a church during uh, an un- unidentified couple's wedding. She said, I wanted to go every Sunday. It was beautiful. They said it was temporarily shut down due to COVID. Then two years later, when I wanted to get married, where, uh, there they said I had to be Catholic and go through tests. <laughs> her, um, her life is difficult. I know. And she, she literally told her 41.8 million followers, isn't church supposed to be open for all Why is this just now coming up for her? (laughs) Her wedding has been like so long ago. It was back in June. She did not disclose the name of the church where she wanted to be married. Um, but, you know, she ended up tying the night at her mansion in Thousand Oaks, California, in June. And, I mean, it was a star studded event Madonna, Paris Hilton, Drew Barrymore, Selena Gomez, and Donatella Versace, who also made her dress for the big day. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm just unsure why this feeling is coming up for her, but I'm all for her calling out the Catholic Church. Go ahead and do it, you know. She wants more. That's your T Report. Okay. Well,
3: coming up next, how the monkeypox outbreak is showing the inequities in healthcare for gay and bi men. More with the Washington Post next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Just like the pandemic, monkeypox is revealing the inequities in the American healthcare system. But uh, have we learned the lesson by now? Like, why aren't we figuring out some solutions? Joining us right now is a health reporter at the Washington Post. Fennett, Neeropal, thank you so much for being here.
9: Hi, thanks for having me.
3: Hi. Well, did we not learn anything from COVID or previous health crises? Like, it's really interesting that this seems again to be, you know, a surprise to the healthcare system.
9: Yeah, this is a question. This is an issue we're hearing a lot about from health experts that the United States government and healthcare establishment seems to be making a lot of the same mistakes from the early days of the COVID uh, yeah. pandemic with the early days of the monkeypox um, outbreak. It's been hard to get testing. It's been hard to get vaccinated. It's been hard to get uh, treatment. And they say we should have gotten our act together and the pandemic should have uh, provided us lessons for how to be much more effective in stamping out future viral threats
4: yeah so let's talk about in what ways this is really kind of impacting marginalized communities because you know when it comes to people of color when it comes to you know folks who are really having uh, health care issues when it when it comes to like not even having health care, um, talk a little bit about how this is impacting those folks who are having a hard time even getting vaccinated or finding care for something like this.
9: Absolutely. This is a really important point because throughout the entire American healthcare system, we see deep inequities on, uh, on lines of race and class and uh, immigration status. And with an outbreak like monkeypox, of course, you're going to see the same inequities. I mean, early on the monkeypox outbreak, I've been—you see a lot on social media coming from um, white, white upper-income uh, professionals in big cities talking about how much they have to fight just to get a doctor to to approve a test for monkeypox or to try to get a vaccine. Imagine what that's like for for someone. Of who's poor for someone who's working in the service industry without access to internet or or African Americans who have to deal with uh, their pain being dismissed by doctors uh, uh, as research consistently uh, shows racial bias and health care wow. you don't have to just imagine that we are hearing it from Latino and black patients that're they're, that they're struggling to access care during uh, during this outbreak and the challenges in getting when people are having to spend hours on the phone uh, to get treatment, to get vaccines. It's much more challenging for people who are disenfranchised and marginalized.
4: I mean, Definitely. the wait out here in Los Angeles I, at one place, uh, particularly even by my house, is like there's a four-hour wait. That's to even not get realistic
3: a, if you have a, job. a shot.
4: Yeah, it's just it's it's so unrealistic at this moment. It's really like sad to see how this compares even to uh, when you're thinking about queer history, HIV and AIDS at the time and what this looks like. Can you talk a little bit about that in the comparisons there?
9: Yeah, um, HIV and AIDS is looming on the minds of almost everyone who's responding uh, to this outbreak because of those eerie similarities. This is a virus that's uh, disproportionately affecting uh, gay men, and you're seeing a lot of uh, dismissiveness uh, toward it as a result result of it. So there are a lot of concerns here that we're having a a repeat of the public health establishment um, dismissing the suffering, the suffering of gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex uh, sex with men because because of how marginalized they are in society. I mean, we'll say 2022 is not the same as 1981. You don't have Ronald Reagan in the White House uh, refusing to uh, even utter the phrase AIDS, and you have uh, you have President Joe Biden in his administration who are active who. Who, you have president biden who just named the monkeypox coordinator even though activists are still very much critical of biden's handling of of the outbreak the white house is taking it seriously and is identifying it as a ma- major problem and you're also seeing a lot of the a lot of the organizing and public health infrastructure that was built as a result of um of the HIV crisis and led by uh, queer people, that's all being mobilized and coming into play with monkey with the monkeypox outbreak as well.
3: Um, and I, I do you have any sense of what's being done? And we have just thirty seconds to shift this, since obviously it was hasn't been approached properly.
9: So the key issue right now is getting more people vaccinated. The Gineos vaccine has been licensed for monkeypox, and we're going to be getting hundreds of thousands of doses over the com- over the coming uh, weeks and months ahead. So this is an area to keep an eye on, whether gov- whether state and local government officials are going to prioritize getting high-risk people vaccinated or if they're going to drop the ball.
3: Okay, that was health reporter at The Washington Post, Finet Neuropal. Thank you so much.
9: Thank you
4: for having me. All right. We know that the real solution to climate change lies in government and structural change, but you could still make an impact. And guess what? Find out coming up next.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
4: Well, when you're talking about small climate solutions that you can apply in your daily lives, renters are normally left out of those discussions. Well, what are those climate fixes that you can do? Well, Neil Dinesha from Recode and a science fellow at Vox is here to join us for this conversation. Thanks for being here.
7: Thanks for having me.
4: So that's really interesting. I guess I never realized that renters were, like, left out of this because all the climate solutions conversations that I've thought about are just like, oh, make sure you're recycling your plastic. What are some other ones?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about are things like solar panels and, and you know, electric cars and things like that. And renters can't really do that to their to their apartments but on themselves or their houses by themselves usually because those involve, you know, undertaking large projects. Um, but there are other ways they can get involved.
3: Okay, yeah, let's uh, let's get into that because uh, one of the first ones was to think about how you can change your space. How does that make a difference? Funk's mm, way.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can change your space. You know, like one thing you can do is sort of think about how your the energy is coming into your house. I, I think the, the way that I, I break it down is sort of think about what's coming into your house, what's in your house, and what's going out of your house. And so when you think about what's going into your house, you can think about like what kind of energy you're getting. Um, And one thing you can do if you're a renter is look to see if there's a community solar project in your area, Um, because that way you can you can sign up to get your your essentially you can sign up for this project that will deliver uh, solar energy to the grid. And that'll, you know, reduce your cost of energy and also sort of be your contribution towards making sure there's more solar power in the in the grid um and so that could be that could be one way to do it um
3: oh. sorry i was just like was that's really cool how do you even find out if there is that i know there you reference this coalition for community solar access community solar <laughs>
7: That's right. That's one. Yeah. That. That's. That's a. There's that's a, uh, some folks who are working to try and get community solar access to as many people as possible. And the easiest way to figure out if there's community solar available to you is just to type "community solar near me" into a Google search. And hmm. usually, there's websites that'll pop up in your area that'll show you how to sign up. It's really easy just like signing up for
0: Netflix,
4: essentially. Yeah, so I'm wondering, I think a lot of the converse, well, conversations and thoughts around climate change and just climate solutions are like, how accessible is it? Because oftentimes, yeah, I think joining a, a group like this can seem lo- really accessible, but for someone who is busy and working a lot or having just, you know, a lot of things that are going on in the regular life, like, that can be very hard to keep up with. So what are some of the solutions to making it more accessible to apply this?
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, the community solar thing requires no real effort. You can just you just sign up once and that's basically it. Like you're that that's taken care of. You just, you just get your your normal electricity bill and it's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's like other things that you can do, which is sort of you can try if you don't have that much time, uh, you know, you can just do things like try and you know, incorporate composting into your regular life, you know, like you know, that that's just you you have to throw out your trash you know, any food waste somewhere or the other. If you just make composting the way you take care of your food waste, it's a small adjustment to your to your normal routine. But it does make a difference towards your, you know, your carbon footprint.
3: And yeah, hopefully, uh, where you live, they take they, uh composting because where I live, they didn't. So I was using the service and then I was paying a bunch of money and then I wasn't composting enough. And then it didn't make sense.
7: Yeah, right. That's that's definitely the hard part, you know. Like sometimes, some places, it's a lot easier to do it. If you want to, if you want to, you can get really involved and make your own composting system. But you know, admittedly, that that takes effort and time.
3: And then uh, you also talk about looking beyond your walls. What do you mean by that?
7: Well, I, I think that you know the important thing to keep in mind is that climate change is never about just one person's impact, right? It's like it's like the impact that we can all have together, and, it's, and climate change is like this thing that needs like big structural changes. So the way the thing that I think people should be doing a lot is like getting together with the community to work on ways to, to, you know, enact climate action. And there's some really great groups all over the country that are doing extremely good work in this sort of thing.
4: Wow. That's so incredible. And you also kind of talk about talking to your neighbors about this. I mean, honestly, that feels um, like something I would rather not do because I don't really talk to my neighbors. But what's the benefits yeah. of this?
7: Well, I think there's—I mean, there's a lot. Right? You can talk to your neighbors and see like what sort of things they're, you know, they're concerned about when it comes to climate change. You can try and come up with ways to get together to talk to your landlord if you—if you're talking to the neighbors in your building to, you know get these changes made to your building that will make it more climate friendly and also realistically, you know, probably bring down costs for you and your landlord alike, you know, um, and that that really happens if you get together with the folks who live in your building or in your neighborhood and sort of, you know, build power together.
3: Um, and also, I think air conditioning contributes a lot to uh, the climate what alternatives do we have i mean are we just supposed to turn off the air conditioning i know um, uh-uh, not in this i know um, <laughs> you know it's you're supposed to close all your doors so that could help any any thoughts there
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a thing that people don't think about a lot, I I definitely didn't think about this too much before I started working on this is sort of like, air conditioning is one part of it. But also important is like when the air escapes. um, Because if the air that's cool just stays inside your house for longer, you don't need to be using the air conditioner as much. Mm -hmm. So you can think of ways to sort of make sure that there's not air escaping and there's like really cheap solutions like just you know putting up some insulating curtains or uh, like you know putting like weather stripping tape around your window frames and door frames and that keeps the cool air in and you'll be comfortable for longer and you're also using way less energy than you are before.
4: Yeah, I mean, I have one of those little nest systems where it uh-huh. automatically, like, switches over to Echo and creates, like, a system for itself where it is conserving your your air, which is nice. But thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation.
7: Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here.
3: Well, that was Neil Dinesha from uh, Recode and a science fellow at Vox. Thank you again. Next up, uh, what rich people claim helped them get rich. <laughs> maybe they invented solar power. Or maybe. Know. Who knows? Uh, you know, being innovative and I guess figuring out ways to save money. I'll be I'll be
4: explaining my experience Let's see. coming up. Yes. <laughs>
3: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So this guy uh, did this five-year rich habits study to explore how the world's wealthiest people think about their money and make money. So he interviewed 225 millionaires. this guy must
4: be like rich himself to be able to do this.
3: Hopefully. I mean, I don't know what his bank account looks like. I'm just saying, to have
4: this much time to do this... (laughs) girl
3: I mean I think that it's curiosity and then he makes a book and then he gets speaking gigs and he makes money too win okay
4: not everything's a marketing strategy shark <laughs> uh, she'll be here on Friday <laughs> uh, he does have an editorial like a column in
3: CNBC so oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure so it he got paid for this well he did a book it's part of his brand now anyway oh this is what God, he discovered <laughs> moving on to the point of what we're talking about all right so there are uh, four categories uh, that millionaires fell into might make you think about where you might fall into to become a millionaire saver investors Um, these are people that no matter what their day job is they make saving and investing part of their daily routine they're constantly thinking about ways to save money and then it adds up over time and some of these people, over time, it means like literally um, twelve to thirty-two years. They can accumulate just from saving, day to day, a net worth of anywhere from three to seven million. Isn't that wild?
4: Three to seven you million. You could
3: just buy like you could probably, if you look at just maybe what you're making now and say, okay, so maybe this is the minimum if that stays. Is this supposed up, to be
4: inspiring to me? Yeah,
3: it is actually. So you could say to yourself, okay, if I want to have X million in 20 years, how much do I need to start saving as of today? You could actually make it happen.
4: I'm supposed to be inspired yes, by you are. all of these rich people giving me some some advice. This is they weren't they were necessarily
3: rich. rich at the beginning. This is how they got rich
4: company Ah, but let's talk about what what Uh, just let me say the story you are these are are actually really good tips why are we not able to have a conversation i
3: don't know how what these people's backgrounds are it is a privilege to save money we all know that all right company climbers these are people that just stay in companies and climb the ladder you know they move to extremely high salaries virtuosos uh people are paid a high premium for their knowledge and expertise you could be considered a virtuoso (laughs) And dreamers, someone who you know you have a dream, you want to become a successful actor, None of a broadcaster.
4: None of this is realistic. I
3: actually think this is like one of the only ones we've covered that has a bit of a sense of like, oh, maybe the, someone fits into one of these. But I do think, and they say this, the one that has the least amount of risk and actually uh, brings people the most results is the saver investor route. Um, and
4: what regular per. Never mind. Never mind. Go I know ahead. what Go ahead. you're going to say, your, though. What regular give person? your, give your, give your t- thing is, give it your, could you be, really I think, these?
3: it depends where you're at. And you could start small. It could be $5 a month. And then you, you know, you increase over time. I do think that we see people of all ranges try to do this. Of course, there are limitations. If you are just paying for the basics, probably can't do this. And But there are are a lot of people out there who aren't just paying for the basics. Even a Starbucks, an extra Starbucks. Maybe you don't need that Starbucks every month. Ryan?
4: Oh, I thought you want you were wanting to get through the story. No,
3: cuz I knew where you were going with it, but I, I
4: we could go through it. You said you wanted to. No, we don't have to. We don't have any time. Go through the story. Well, no,
3: I, that was basically it. <laughs> but I know, I mean, I know it comes up with this, it's like the question of privilege and that this isn't for everyone or it's not realistic. But it's
4: something we shrug off. It's fine.
3: We it's, don't we talk about it we every don't day. Need
4: Oh, are you tired of talking about
3: it? I mean, I am tired right now. It is that time of
4: month. As a privileged person, are you tired of talking about it?
3: (laughs) No. I just want to also give advice for those who might be able to do it. But this is
4: literally, realistically not realistic.
3: I do think it is There's
4: some things, I, but all of these things are not realistic. There are people
3: that even when they're in high school, just from their first jobs, that start saving and then and they're in, uh, putting a down payment on a house. So, like I wish I had known that. If we don't have those conversations, yeah, if we can't able edu- to work educate a job people. And that
4: doesn't require them to
2: like actually help their family. Here's the thing: is
3: this is the thing we uh, we need to be aware of the realities, but we need to have these conversations because. Then we're not going to have financial education. We talk about financial education.
4: education, This is part of financial education. Not all of this is a part of financial education, especially when it's coming from. Like, I would love to know who are the specific people he spoke to. Of
3: course, I mean, yes, there are nuances.
4: Well, that's that's important. How are you going to now shrug off the fact that that is a very valid point of like who he specifically spoke to, because that changes the 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 shifting of how everyone else picks up these habits or picks up how this this applies. What I will
3: say is from talking to lots of different people of all of many different backgrounds who end up saving money um this is typically um these are good strategies to go by
4: girl but you're also coming from a place where your family had money
3: i talked to people whose family didn't have money and still save more than i
4: have i'm not negating that some of these work but i'm just saying realistically like you know i'm asking the other question
3: i know you're asking the other question We need to have those conversations. We also need to bring people access to this because if only privileged people are getting access to this, this is what also creates disparity. Which is literally
4: what this article is. Which
3: is why we all got to talk about it.
4: But we got to bring it. Okay, we got to (laughs) go.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: All right, welcome back to the show. More music coming up. Speaking of music, we're bringing you...
2: electoral yeah. justice. When I get elected, What?
3: I was like, what is going on? We are bringing you a musical experience giveaway right now.
4: Oh, yes, we are. Okay, so Channel Q wants to fly you and a friend to Orlando to see Ben Platt at his biggest North American tour to date. Enter to win at WeAreChannelQ.com and for your chance to win round-trip airfare for two, a two-night hotel stay, $200 gift card, and two VIP tickets to see Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Amazing. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. All right. Well, yes, coming yes. Up,
3: finding growth in failure. That's in 30 minutes. And how this one Hollywood actor surprised everyone on an airplane recently. What he did... And it went viral, and it's here for in a moment. Mm -hmm. Let's get into some what's churning this hour. Republican Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, who was 58, and her two young aides were killed in a car crash today in Indiana. Another driver veered into her lane, hitting the car head on. The other driver also died in the accident. Walorski is the fifth House member to die while in office this year. That's really sad. Yeah. Uh, Now, the Georgia Department of Revenue confirmed that residents may claim an unborn fetus as a dependent on their state tax forms. Any fetus displaying electrical activity, a precursor to heartbeat that can appear around six weeks, is now eligible for the Georgia Individual Income Tax Dependent Exemption. Mm. Pregnant taxpayers are eligible for a $3,000 deduction per fetus beginning when the law took effect on July 20th, 2022. And finally, Mark Fincham, who led efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election in Arizona and was at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, won the Republican Secretary of State primary, moving him one step closer to an office that would allow him to oversee future elections in this emerging battleground. Pretty scary stuff. Here is uh, Fincham talking before getting elected.
2: We cannot have the thumb of anyone on the scale of electoral justice. When I get elected, I take my partisan hat off and I represent people, not parties, unlike the current secretary of state. Okay.
3: Again, frightening that this could be a leader overseeing elections when he led efforts to overturn an actual election. But anyway, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news?
4: Oh, my God. Imagine being on an airplane and Jason Momoa is your flight attendant. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Yeah, I mean, in the chance that Jason Momoa ever decides to quit acting one day, it looks like he'd have a great backup career as a flight attendant. He looked very good doing the job, I have to say. Um, A TikTok user shared a hilarious yet heartwarming video that showed Aquaman showing off his skills as a flight attendant. Um, Basically, this clip that has gone viral, um, it, it shows him pulling a drink cart down the aisle of a Hawaiian Airlines flight as he handed out bottles of water to passengers. In the video... I'm
3: they, sure they were really thirsty, by
4: the way. I mean, <laughs> more ones than one. He was all smiles as he greeted passengers who were likely shocked to see him on the flight. And honestly, were, what if they were like, who's this guy? Is he just one of our flight attendants? Thanks so much, sir. That'd be hilarious. Appreciate it. You're like, this guy's
3: really good looking. He should like be an actor <laughs> or model.
4: The person that posted this was basically like, my auntie sent me this video I just thought I'd share, um, adding the captions, um, Flight Attendant Life, Jason Momoa, and Hawaii TikTok. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he should have done his shirtless, but maybe that's a health concern. <laughs>
3: um, uh, you know what? This is a very smart marketing
4: thing. Yeah, he was giving out bottles of his new water, like a oh, uh, but bottles. then everyone wants Haw- promoting Hawaiian
3: Airli- Airlines want. and he also lives in Hawaii, so you know. Does he? Yeah, my friend actually uh, collabs a lot with him. They live on the Big Island together. Oh,
4: wow! <laughs> it's
3: Fascinating, right?
4: That's your team report. Well,
3: welcome. <laughs> yes. Next up. The top signs you need a mental health day and actually how this is changing the way we give students a break at schools across the country. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The idea of taking a mental health day off of work or school is becoming more and more common. And actually, there are currently 12 states where students are legally allowed to take mental health days. Washington, California, Illinois, Maine, uh, you know, Florida, New York, Maryland, so many others. Uh, or and they're actually going to be getting some bills but this is pretty interesting I saw this article in people.com and of course you might not be a student and you're listening I mean we're students of life we're adults now but I think the idea of taking a mental health day is something we got to talk about we're not talking
4: about students right
3: I said we're students of life I made a joke I we are you're always a student I actually say I'm always going to be learning
4: I I bet you do I I really bet you do say that (laughs) and you've just thrown in the
3: books Throwing in the towel, I mean. Um, so I guess what are the signs that you need a mental health day? I'm going to get to what experts say in a moment. But Ryan, I wanted to hear from you. Like, uh, you've taken a mental health day before, right?
4: Um, yeah, I have, but it took me a minute to even get to that place to take so a yeah, mental let's, health day. Because let's get I think into a lot it. of times you can't really take a mental health day without having to tell folks that you need a mental health day and sometimes that's an invasion of privacy and you don't need to you don't want people to be in your business like that or you don't really want to look like um you're not capable of doing your job. There's a lot of pressures mm. on that and I think when the company you work with doesn't allow for that space then that can be an issue for a lot of people who, who decide, oh, do I need a, can I actually take a mental health day yeah. versus the date, like, or um, am I going to have to, like, sacrifice how people view me in this work space because they're now finding out that I'm I need a mental health issue because a lot of times, there is, no matter how much we talk about it, there are still stigmas around the the conversation totally. around mental health. And so if you tell someone you're having a, some a mental health issues, they're automatically going to think about it in an extreme way instead of just looking at it like, oh, this person just needs to replenish themselves. Yeah, And that, to me, for me anyway, that's why it took me so long to even be like, oh, I'm waking up this morning. Don't feel like doing the work right totally. now, and I need to take this moment. And
3: and there's a really good reason you feel that way. One, it because of stigma. Are you about and, to read? No, I'm just. I was oh. looking. I was actually looking up to see what companies, if there are companies that offer real mental health days. But in looking this up, it's more so. I mean, there are some uh, 15 companies uh, according to this. There are some that have planted their flag and said, yeah, we provide a mental health day or like if you want to take one off. But typically these are tops, you know, startups, tech companies yeah, that offer gotta, these you gotta perks. you got to have certain
4: qualifications to even get to that company to get those perks. I would say
3: a lot McDonald's of ain't doing people that. aren't doing this. I think that as, w- as we know, as the conversation becomes more mainstream as we're talking about it, as more people know they, could, they need it and um, it's uh, important, they're going to be starting to ask for it or it will come with you know, the companies they want to work with. Right. They will be um, pushing and encouraging their employers to do it. I mean, you know, even uh, here, it's like not like we're like, oh, you're allowed to take a mental health day. We have sick days. And it's like I think that it's a known thing that, okay, that could mean what is a sick day? I think, uh, you know, that could be a sick day. That could be should be looked at. as Normally in a
4: lot of companies, sick days require a doctor's note. And guess what? If you don't have a doctor's note for a mental health day, then that that's not fair. You're not allowed to take one. You're now in a position where you have to choose again. And I think that is why it's so difficult for people to pri- prioritize their mental health. And I wonder, you know, and you didn't really speak about when, when you feel like it's time to take a mental health day.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um I feel like the first day of my that time of month I should take a day.
4: If we could name this episode it would be the period episode cuz that's all we're he- hearing about. You all know of what? this episode. My
3: soul is being taken from me. <laughs> no honestly like and and actually that's a thing. Um this is a conversation too. Yeah. Um for those who get periods like the first day or whatever that is to you there are some people that are literally debilitated. Like yeah, you cannot get out of bed, you can't work and that's a real thing. It is like a sick day. But uh it's funny because I don't think I've taken off um, mental health day. Really, I haven't. I've never taken a mental day because I need days off for just, like, other stuff happening in my life. Um, I've taken, obviously, a sick day when I, like... Uh, I have a flu or obviously COVID that was the more recent few times, but I've, I haven't, uh, I definitely have days where I'm just like, I don't know if I need, I could use a day off or I'm just tired and mentally drained. And, um, unfortunately, because I just know my needs in my current situation, it just, I, I, I haven't been able to do that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I would say my company, so I haven't done it here, my own company. I've definitely had days where I woke up and I felt like I just couldn't drive there or do it. It would be too much. And I've told my employees, like, I'm not, I need this morning, the morning to myself. Well, so you could say that was my way of taking a mental me health boss. Yeah. And, and that, those are the times that I've done it. I think that when I am kind of have a client or I'm working for someone else, I haven't necessarily, you know, done, that yeah, done that. Um, and you could say, what has that done to my mental health in pushing through those moments? Mm-hmm. I don't know, right?
4: I could tell you a few things.
3: <laughs> so here are the top signs. <laughs> I mean, exactly. You need a mental health day. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so you're getting sick a lot.
4: It happens. Oh, my God. Literally all the time. This remember year, remember I was, called it codes like every. Yes, this, yeah. this was before I, even COVID happened. I was getting like. There was one year so though. Here's the thing: sick. there,
3: there was one year here where we were both getting sick a lot, and I oh. do think it was also maybe in the air. Anyway, whatever. <laughs>
4: yeah, but it was also probably running around. Yeah, and everything running around. Else we were, we're crazy.
3: Doing. Uh, you're always exhausted. You feel unappreciated daily.
4: Oh, wow. Let's talk about your it. Your
3: workload feels overwhelming. Oh. You'll f- you feel every work day is a bad day. This conversation is and triggering. you don't care about your work. Really. Who picked this? Who
4: picked this topic? I did. Oh, wow. Are you saying something? Is there some things you need to get off your chest? <laughs> well, I, you
3: know, I saw, as you know, uh, well, no one listening knows, but I saw the students can take mental health days in 12 states. I thought that was really interesting because I didn't grow up with that.
4: What are the states? Do we know?
3: I, I I didn't want to go off a list, but yeah, there was like Washington, California, Illinois, I said at the top. I was just eight.
4: trying to figure out if it was Maine, like regional, regional places versus it being like, you know.
3: It's they're pretty big states, you know, um, that have done it.
4: And I wonder if those are Democratic-led states. Nevada, versus...
3: Utah, Kentucky, mm, red Maryland, New York, Florida, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. They have uh, bills on the books. Well, that's
4: interesting. I mean, I for if we're going to swing it back to the students... I think that is so, so important. Teach these students, teach these kids at an early age how to take a mental health day so when they get our ages, they're not dealing with totally. the, the like pressures of feeling like guilty for taking one. It's a
3: different time. I mean, I, I do think uh, our kids and then this generation is really setting, they're setting a new precedent Girl, for all of us. I
4: don't got no kids. I got a dog.
3: Well, when you she takes a
4: mental health break every damn day, right?
3: (laughs) 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 All right. Well, next up, it's easy to feel bad about ourselves when we fail, but what we forget to recognize is failure means growth. And we're talking about it. This is the inspiration hour. (laughs) Um, Let's go there. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel
8: Q.
4: You know, it's so easy to feel bad about ourselves when we fail, Uh, but what we forget to recognize is failure means growth. And I think it's so important to bring in our next guest, um, who you all know as a political talking head, but guess what? He also um, is like, uh, what's it called? Career coach. Career coach. We have lots of multi hyphenates here and on the stage. I station. love that. I mean, you got to, we live in Los Angeles, so we got to do multiple things, you though, for hustle. The rent. Uh, <laughs> So please welcome back to the show Ryan Basham, our career coach, for <laughs> this inspirational hour, as she calls it. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> You know, this is such an interesting conversation when, you know, people are struggling and they feel like they're failing or not doing enough. Actually, to be honest, if I'm being vulnerable right now, like I felt that on Monday. I felt not failing or struggling, but I, after your birthday, I feel like it triggers something mm. where you're like, oh, are you doing enough? And I'm like brainstorming, spending my morning being like, what should I do next? How do I keep the momentum going? Oh, What's next? What's yeah. this? And I was mm. like literally just... The weekend after my birthday, being set up with all of this anxiety about just me feeling like I'm not doing enough, right? And it took me a minute to kind of get that perspective, but I feel like that's a common feeling, especially in the line of work that you do. So what comes up for you when you hear something like that, and especially when your clients feel that way?
1: Well, it's it's interesting. You know, I think about um, when I moved to LA a million years ago to get into the entertainment industry. Um, you know, I I found myself giving people peps and stuff like that. And then I realized I was doing it all the time and for free. So I started charging, and that's how I became a coach. Um, and the so thing we're, that I've we're learned. On the,
3: we're on the clock now. Girl, don't say yeah, anything. yeah. Like,
1: the, bill, the bills in the mail, the bills in the mail. But one of the things I've learned is like, I've coached all kinds of people, um, all kinds of industries, all kinds of levels of success, and literally no one, with perhaps the small exception of people who, um, you know, have a genuine disconnection from reality, <laughs> literally no one is immune from uh, feeling this way. I mean, yeah. even Meryl Streep, who is one of the you know, greatest actors of her generation said there's no plateau. She's the most nominated actor in Oscar history. You know, so there's always something wherever you are. And I think we get caught up in thinking about, oh, how we could be further along in this way or that way. Um, but the reality is no matter where we're at, we are inclined to think that we could be someplace better or have done more or better already. And that's just not how life works. Our brains, unfortunately, are designed to think that way, but that doesn't mean it's a reflection of reality.
3: Totally. And I think it could be really difficult if you've had success and then you have a certain period or a chapter where you're not necessarily getting what you want. And I've been through this. And then you really start thinking like, oh, well, maybe this is it or yeah, i um, like, I'm not going to be successful or I'm a failure and all those ideas start playing into your head um, versus, versus maybe saying like, oh, I'm going through a learning moment or um, like, what can I, can I be curious about here? Uh, the idea of quote unquote struggling or not reaching your goals is really just connected, becomes connected to failure, which I think is a huge issue.
1: Well, that's interesting you use the word failure. You know, um, I forget who, but someone said, fail early, fail often. We only learn from failure. Success is not something we learn from, but it feels good. And so we think that's the only thing we should do. The reality is, you know, if you want to accomplish something big, you have to be willing to fail a lot. Thomas Edison said something like uh, he didn't fail 10,000 times to figure out how to make a light bulb. He just learned how not to make a light bulb 10,000 times over. Um, and that's, 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 if you want to do something big, you got to think about it that way. And the other thing is a person who has accomplished something but didn't sometime thereafter have a slump. And the difference between people who hit that point and come back up into another peak or not are the ones who are willing to you know, flow with it and let the tides rise for them again whenever they're meant to and perhaps try and instigate that along the way. But if if you get to a place where you're in a slump and you're like, this isn't as great as I used to be or whatever, and you get stuck on that, the chances of you ever having another upswing decrease dramatically. So, Mm. you know, another way to put that is if you're making yourself feel bad about the way you think about how your life is going, you are actively creating the the circumstances Mm -hmm. to have less success going forward.
4: So you're manifesting it. You know, you're putting... Absolutely. There's always something that... I I grew up learning is like the power of the tongue and like what you speak is really Also what you think And what you think Yeah, yeah. it's
3: it's speaking and thinking I think what I've learned in, in some of these moments and through my own experience is the power of my brain right? It's oh, like to yeah. really listen like you know when you fall into these moments where you're telling yourself these things and like you're you're communicating this to yourself. One, would you communicate that to a child or a friend you love? No. So and we've talked about this. Why do you do it to yourself? And yeah. so really work on your brain muscle because like. Oh yeah. If,
4: can yeah. I say what if you are failing now? What if, I mean what yeah, if that um, is actually a realistic thing
1: for you? Well think about it like Thomas Edison did with the light bulb. You know you're 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 not no. If you could get everything right the first time, if you could succeed at everything the first time, whatever it is you're doing is not remarkable. So if you want to be up to some stuff in life, you need to know that that is inconsistent with never feeling like a failure. You're gonna. That's just part of it. And, and the reality is, and to your point about the way you think, you know, science has found that your brain receives 100 billion bits of information every second and can only consciously process five to seven and it uses what you already believe to be true to decide what's mind. So if you are stuck on the, the, the broken record of I'm a failure, um, your brain is going to show your mind supports that because that's what you're showing your brain you value and are looking for. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. So it's not about being like disconnected from reality, but it's about realizing, saying like, uh, accepting what's happened and processing it and then mm-hmm. uh, creating steps that you can control to move forward. And that includes working on how to speak yourself. And face your where brain. you're at. Yeah, yeah gr- you're
1: be at. grateful for where you're at because you cannot have peaks without valleys. So it may not be the most fun you've ever had, but it's, it's necessary for the process. So embrace it, don't resist it, just let it be, it will pass.
4: Well, thank you so much, yeah, Ryan Basham. Go. Wow. Who only, who thought, I mean. Who thought Inspiration yeah. Hour was going to be so amazing? Yeah, that's, <laughs> why, that's why they pay me the medium bucks. <laughs> well, if you <laughs> tell yourself that, maybe that's what's going to happen. Thank you so much, Ryan Basham, for joining us. We love having you on the show as always. What's coming up next?
3: Well, do you get heat for not being a morning person? Turns out it probably isn't your fault. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Guess what? If you're not a morning person, and you may never be one. So stop. Make yourself feel bad that you can't give in to what society wants
4: you to be. Are you a morning person?
3: You know what? I'm definitely... Uh, Not? No, I don't think I'm naturally a morning person. My natural circadian rhythm, uh-huh,
4: uh-huh. which means
3: like if there was no alarm clock, if I was just doing it or like, you know, by just how I felt, I would probably go to bed between... Um, naturally, probably around midnight, 12 to 1, and wake up at, like, you know, uh, 8 or 9. Why would you like, want to
4: stay up until 12 to 1? It's
3: more natural. It's not like I want to. It's, like, naturally, even when I'm a, I'm tired and I come home, What? sometimes I could just still you stay up. You reprogram
4: your body to, do, to be different. Well,
3: according to this, they say... That it's it's kind of not the case. Uh, research bed, says. Well, no, up. I do that, but even in doing that, it's still not natural for me. So that usually on weekends I need to catch up. So yeah, if I usually go to bed before eleven p.m., I could wake up at six a.m. and be. It's still difficult, but I can make it work. And right now, I still go to bed at sometimes midnight and still wake up at six a.m. because that's what I have to do. Uh, but research actually has been. Uh, gaining insight on all of this. They said that our internal clocks are influenced by genes and are incredibly difficult to change. If you're just not a morning person, they say you're probably not going to be, at least until the effects of aging kick in, because as you age, you can wake up earlier and get less sleep. And if we try to live out of sync with these clocks, our health likely suffers. So the mismatch between internal time and real-world time has been linked to heart disease, obesity, and depression. Look at that. Isn't that wild? What's your natural clock?
4: Um, I wake up naturally at six a.m.
3: No matter what, even if you go to bed late, literally, See, no, and it's no, so annoying to I me. Sometimes no. I want
4: to sleep in, but like it, my body just doesn't do it. Now, recently, I will say I wake up at six a.m., but like I've been hitting the snooze button a little bit, so I've been getting out of bed around six thirty.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I put my. I always put my alarm for six, but I, don't, I never. I naturally wake up though. Like at six thirty, I'll like. I'll check my clock because I, in my head, I have a sense I probably should wake you don't up. You got an alarm? Yeah, but if if basically my alarm you was for seven o'clock. My my, well, meaning if I if I put my alarm for seven a.m., oh. I'll naturally wake up around six-ish, and I'll be like, oh, I have another hour. Of I sleep. go to bed
4: at eleven. From so wake up at six, bed at eleven.
3: That makes sense. Seven hours of sleep. Sometimes I. I I'm like more of an eight hour type of person, but anyway, but then, all right, so if you're saying you're not a morning or night person, like if you find that ideally you would love to sleep between 3 a.m. and 12 p.m., guess what? You're one percent of the world that deals with delayed sleep phase. It's a disorder disorder. That sets your internal clock permanently out of sync with the rest of the world. So, guess what? If you are that person, one, probably go see a doctor and real, just know. <laughs> but just know it's probably not you. Doctor. No, there's, this is an actual thing, and it might give you some peace of mind to know that something's not wrong with you.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too